All right. We'll sell the menorah. It's solid bronze. Perhaps the Shylock who bought our other belongings will give us enough for it to keep Kowalski off our backs until... Never! I'll sooner sell my soul! Solomon roared, standing between Jack and the candelabrum. He said it with such feeling that Jack was certain that he'd make good on his threat. Even so, he tried to make his father reconsider. Those men aren't joking. If we don't pay them, they'll throw us on the street with our legs busted into more pieces than we can count. I said no! Do you hear me? Sell whatever you want, the tables, the chairs, the shoes. But don't even think about touching my menorah, or I swear on your mother's memory I'll make you regret it. Jack clenched his teeth. He wouldn't even get three dollars for all the junk his father mentioned. He tried to reassure him, promising him that hocking the menorah would only be a temporary measure, and that they'd get it back when he'd found a decent job. And when will that happen? Solomon replied beside himself. Since you got back from Detroit with your tail between your legs, you've been talking big about finding a job. But the best you've come up with is changing a few tires at some dump of a repair shop. Jack couldn't believe what he was hearing. He'd used up all of his savings to look after his father, and this was the thanks he got for it. Even so, he tried to keep his cool. Let's leave it for now. We can talk later when you're sober. No, we'll talk now! I don't need a clear head to know who's to blame for all of this, Solomon went on. You and your delusions of grandeur. If you'd stayed at the shoe store, none of this would have happened. Let's leave it, Father. Now's not the time to... And when will be the time? When you decide? Oh, of course, I forgot. It's High and Mighty Jack who decides when we speak and when we don't. High and Mighty Jack doesn't have to be a miserable shoemaker like his father. In fact, he stood puffing and panting, high and mighty Jack is so important that he had to leave his family and go off to live on the other side of the country while his mother was dying and his father worked himself to death mending shoes. Jack felt a dagger pierce his heart. He hadn't abandoned anyone. In fact, he had never forgiven Solomon for not telling him when his mother fell sick. And while he was in Dearborn, he had sent half his salary to his parents each month. He was consumed with rage. Everyone has the right to choose what they do with their lives. At least I lived well and not like some poor wretch as you would have had me living. How dare you! Get out! yelled Solomon, turning away. He tried to get a last swig from the empty bourbon bottle, and seeing that not a drop remained, he smashed it on the floor. I took care of you and your mother. If we don't have anything now, it's because... Because you blow the money on booze, Jack blurted out. Go! Get out of this house. Nobody wants you here anymore. Jack clenched his fists. Then he headed to his bedroom, threw his remaining clothes into his suitcase, and closed it, leaving a shirt cuff hanging out. He picked up the photograph of his mother and looked at it. He considered what to do. Finally, he put the case down on the bed, went out and crossed the living room. Where are you going? Jack didn't answer. He left the apartment and slammed the door, making the entire stairway shake. As he prepared himself for a terrible night's sleep curled up in the hallway, he made out his father's muffled voice behind the door, sobbing, Please, son, don't leave me now. As Jack progressed north through Manhattan, 
The old brick buildings gradually gave way to taller, more modern structures, before finally being replaced by brand-new stone colossi, the streets between them seething with pedestrians and vehicles, which, despite the blight of the Depression, seemed to broadcast that New York remained the center of the universe. The hands on his watch were not yet pointing to noon when he stopped to examine the towering complex of buildings that made up Rockefeller Center. Some of the real estate was still under construction, but the main tower was already a vast edifice of concrete and steel that rose defiantly as far as the eye could see. Jack stood admiring it. It may not have been as high as the Empire State or as elegant as the Chrysler Building, but even before its official opening, the Rockefeller could boast something that no other structure could. Inside, America's richest men decided the world's fate. He imagined his uncle, Gabriel Bayliss, was one of them. He took his time to find a way into the building.